Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me the regional manager for Element, Tim Kelly. Hey, Tim, how are you? Good. How's it going, John? It's going great, actually. You know, we've known each other for quite some time now, except I don't have a clue as to where you were born. So where were you born? I grew up just outside the city in uh, Westchester County, lived at various places throughout Westchester. Um, Used to summer in the Hamptons. That's how I got my start out here. So, you know, so you came out here quite often, but as a, as a kid? Yes. Uh, like came out a lot uh, to like Shelter Island and Bridgehampton, sort of uh, back in the day when, before Bridgehampton became the Mecca that it is now. Yeah. <laughs> now you have an MBA from Duke, I understand. Has that helped you at all in real estate? Yeah, I think, um, I think that helped me in my development of properties. Um, I think it's also been the timing was good too. I think, you know, for the past 20 years, there's been, you know, sort of a boom in real estate out here. We've had low financing rates and, you know, a lot of demand, different things have caused that demand to surge. But, um, you know, I think it's part, part like baby boomer trend of people, you know, getting larger homes, development opportunities out here, very strong rental market, you know, a lot of things lined up to, um, help our market just remain so strong. And, you know, just recently was COVID and then the dropping of the rates caused, you know, tremendous amount of demand that really stripped our supply of uh, homes. Right. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting that you say about the uh, uh, rental uh, demand, Uh, the season, the rental season is pretty much over. How was it compared to last year? You know, I think last year um, there was, you know, we we were coming off of a multi-year, you know, multi-year exposure of COVID and um, people are trying to get out of the city and trying to find homes to shelter in place and work from with uh, Zoom calls. So uh, that really either drove our sales market, but it also drove the rental market and it drove it for um, very long periods of time. People were renting for, you know, our long season, summer season, Memorial Day to Labor Day, or they were renting, you know, annual rentals. And um, it kind of took us back to, um, you know, before a lot of the other options with websites offering rentals back to, you know, where, uh, people, there was a lot of demand. Uh, we didn't used to have a ton of rental product. Um, it was kind of the perfect storm of, um, people looking for properties and, um, just, a, just a surge in demand led to, you know, really high rates. So last, last January, there was a bit of a COVID outbreak again. And I think people didn't want to be, um, left without the ability to go somewhere during the summer uh, with the lack of travel. And, it, you know, the year before we had a really strong, initially a start to the rental market and people rented a lot of the good properties. Uh, th- this year, a lot of that changed. You know, we saw the vaccine and end um, to, you know, the unknown COVID exposure in terms of health. People had a had um, something to make them feel comfortable to travel. And we saw like different countries open up. Um, and we, we, people have been out here for three years, you know, 
buying homes, being in the Hamptons and not being able to travel anywhere. So with no COVID um, bump this year, you know, the lack of that demand, I think um, you, know, you, you saw a softening of people looking looking for rentals. I think it also softened term in terms of how long they wanted it. People are back to face-to-face, you know, working in an office back to Manhattan for part of the week, all of the week. So, um, you know, you just don't need a house for 90 days unless you can afford it, you know, for the, for the full season, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Um, and people were allowed to go travel back to Europe or wherever they go. And, you know, after being out here for such a long period of time, I think people chose to take advantage of the other options. And, you know, I think the inventory also was sitting at a very high price. People were used to COVID pricing. Um, people are reluctant until forced, you know, to lower lower their um, their rental prices. So it was a bit of a um, you know challenge for a lot of people who didn't lower their prices to rent their homes. They, there was also a lot of inventory during COVID. Um, there was a lot of demand and there's a lot of real estate agents out here and the rental inventory from the agency side got, um, it was very, very, um, well presented. The listings were, you know, photographed. There was a lot of information, a lot of money being made a lot in terms of a homeowner's renting. Uh, there were commissions made, there was demand. So we, we have a lot of rental inventory and we had a lot of really good listing information. Um, because so many people had put their homes up for rent. Um, and then the demand subsided. The demand subsided in terms of term. Uh, term being length, that they would maybe want it less for like a month instead of three months, or they're looking for two weeks. <clears throat> and then when that, that starts, that lack of long-term rental, you know, there are other options in the market for like Airbnb and VRBO, where the homeowner themselves is putting it up for rent. You know, the homeowner does the 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 selection of the tenant blindly you know which is you know maybe a good thing or a bad thing um you know and, and the homeowner is responsible for um incorporating all the expenses of the rental into their into the charge that they charge on a monthly or nightly rate so you know we're seeing people um who want to rent for four nights uh five nights a week use those sites um may or may not be legal but um you know, people are using uh, different options to put their houses up for rent, um, finding tenants different ways. And you know, it gets into a whole discussion of legality, it gets into s- discussions of liability um, and uh, cost, you know, which, which, you know, all the different ways that agencies might present a rental or the way that those websites incorporate um, all their fees in there. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've, we've seen a lot of um, changes in terms of rental registries villages coming out with um rental registries uh compliance uh, and a lot of it falls on the homeowner to make sure that they're in compliance with the laws uh you know for safety making sure that they have proper permitting they have proper insurance um you know depending on term homeowners are responsible now if they're renting under 30 days to pay hotel tax to suffolk county yeah, it's funny. I was just going to bring that up, and you you brought that up. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of landlords don't know about the uh, the uh, hotel tax. Yeah, the hotel tax this summer went from three percent to just recently they raised it to five point five percent. So right. the homeowner, after they do a rental, um, and Suffolk County is sending out bills. 
you know, they're responsible to pay Suffolk County, the hotel tax of 5.5%. So um, it's, it's across the board, websites, agencies, it's another cost that homeowners will have. Um, and they'll need to either incorporate it into their rate or, uh, you know, cover it out of their own pocket. So nothing's getting uh, less expensive. You know, we're dealing with inflation in all aspects of our, you know, all, all the costs we have out here, in, you know, insurance, um, material costs, labor costs, you know, rental costs are going higher, you know, so it becomes something that, that uh, and we have more inventory, we have better product that, you know, if your house doesn't have the latest and greatest, or it's not that clean, or, um, you know, you haven't done a, a renovation recently, we're seeing a lot of new stuff come on. Um, and it's very competitive in the market. So. All right. All right. Um, do you have any advice for landlords that were challenged uh, this past year and want to rent next year? I mean, I, I think um, you need to look like you're, you're um, a renter and see what your competition is. Um, the market has become very competitive. People's, a lot of people have bought homes recently that are full of new furniture, you know, new furniture, new TVs, recently painted, new kitchens. Um, you know, that's, that's what you're up against. I think a lot of people right. um, rely on some of that rental income to help pay, you know, the high costs of carrying properties out here, be it property tax, insurance, maintenance, um, you know, the different people you need to help service your property. And when you don't have that rental income and you're living in a second, you know, this is a second location for you. It can be difficult to make ends meet. You know, what I would say is maybe take advantage of the strong real estate market we're in right now in terms of, um, you know, rates creeped up very quickly. Um, people are in, um, a lot of people are in a very low mortgage rate. So we're not seeing um, those people who have low mortgages who can afford their mortgage looking to go anywhere because the house prices have gotten so high. There's not really an option for them to go somewhere else. You know, you're, you're looking at, um, basically staying in place. So we're not seeing the same volume of properties come, come to market in terms of um, new listings because there's not, no other options. There's nowhere to go. Um, it's very expensive. It's expensive to renovate and you can't get that rate again. So we're seeing a lot of cash buyers. Um, but if you haven't rented, what I'd say is, you know, your property is probably at the highest value it's ever been. Um, we still have a ton of people looking. It, it's very strong the demand. We don't have a lot of inventory. Rates may be high, but we have a lot of cash buyers. We we have buyers who are out, you know, the smart ones are out still looking, still buying, buying fully adjustable rate mortgages, which, you know, if we're at the peak of our rate increase cycle, um, the only place we can probably go is the rates will go down. And when the rates go down, um, you know, there's going to be even more buyers out there. So smart buyers are looking now. Um, you know, with the lack of inventory, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing an uptick uh, uh, in things going into contract. We're seeing things close. You know, I, I think through the, the second and through this third quarter, the market um, got very slow. People are in our summer market. They're using their homes. You know, they're not really buying homes right now. They're using them. We tend to see, you know, contract activity and closings happen in the fall and the early, you know, winter months preparation for summer is really our, our busy season. So, um, you know, I anticipate some of the things that didn't rent, uh, people that have a lot of profit, a lot of equity in their homes, they're, they're looking at, you know, they're coming in, we're giving them competitive pricing analysis. 
and they're looking to take advantage of the strong market in terms of lack of inventory. So, you know, it, it, it may be difficult to get a renter, but um, you're still in a really good investment if you had bought it a while ago or recently because the prices, you know, continue, continue to go up. So, um, and, and we have lack of inventory. Right. But what do you say to sellers? Because since inventory is such a premium, what do you say to sellers that think that uh, your pricing is too low to list since their neighbor got X amount of dollars and my house is so much better? You know, I think I think pricing, especially in the Hamptons, you know, varies incredibly based on what is on the physical property. You know, you, you can have a new home next, you know, a new home that's been built at six million dollars next to a home that's a million dollars. You know, based on what's physically there. So I don't think it's apples and apples. You know, when you look at different homes on, you know, let's say streets, if you look at the Sag Harbor market, I don't think there's a, there's a single bad location in Sag Harbor anymore. There's so much demand. You, know, you can't say historically that something um, in this neighborhood wouldn't sell for that much because somebody went in and built a new house and it has all the bells and whistles. So I think it's really difficult out here, especially in the Hamptons. There's incredible price variation based on location where in other locations, you don't see that, you know, there tends to be subdivisions or developments and there's house prices in a range. You don't see that kind of um, fluctuation in most other markets where we have that out here. It's incredible fluctuation. In five seconds, how do you think the market will shape up for the, uh, for the rest of the year? I think it's, um, you know, I think people have to have patience. You have to list your house. You have to give it time to sell. It takes people a while to make a decision. It's, it's, you know, an expensive proposition, but I think uh, the geography, location, you know, are the year-round ability to use a house out here, the, the desire to have um, a place to go to, especially after something like COVID happened or um, the ability to work remotely, it's only strengthened the demand in our market. If someone had some more questions for you, how could they reach you, Tim? You know, I work uh, at a Douglas Elliman in Sac Harbor. And my cell phone is 917-856-2367. Tim Kelly of Element, thank you so much for your time and expertise. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Please stay tuned because we'll be right back with our next guest, Chris Newsy of Advantage Title after this short break. back to real life and this is your host john christopher and today i have with me the regional director and also the ex uh, executive vice president of advantage title chris newsy hey chris how are you today i'm doing great john thanks for having me oh it's always a pleasure having you on because you're so you know you have so much knowledge especially when it comes to title insurance um but before we talk about that and its importance let's talk a little bit about you you were involved in local politics at one point in your career what were you doing before that? And what led you into two terms on the Southampton Town Board? Uh, well, I worked in, in local government in various capacities uh, and then had the, uh, as I've always said, uh, the fortunate experience to uh, run for public office and uh, to have the trust of people for, for two terms uh, on the town board in Southampton. And uh, it was something that, you know, I'll always remember and, and will value forever. It really uh you know, it was a great experience serving the town and working with so many different people inside town hall, outside town hall, 
on matters of importance. And, and I certainly respect anybody who gets involved on any level to uh, to try to um, influence public policy in a, in a positive way and work for people um, uh, as uh, stewards of the local governments um, all the way on up to our federal government. So for me, it was a great experience and something I'll always remember. And that kind of from there led me into, uh, you know, knowing that the, the, the land use regulations and dealing with a lot of zoning matters and meeting so many people locally and having grown up here and understanding those things led me into a, a career uh, in, in uh, real estate and title insurance. Wow. Okay. Um, so you came right out of school and you went into uh, local politics? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, local government. I worked for the Suffolk County executive at the time when I graduated uh, college. And um, I had done a couple of internships in the state legislature while I was in college. I went to the University of Albany. And then from from uh, there, I worked for a couple of the towns, uh, inevitably to to work for, uh, work for the town of Southampton or work in the town of Southampton alongside many great people um, who are still doing good work there. That's great. Um, did you study political science or is just what was your uh, major? Interestingly, interestingly, I studied psychology. Um, which, which is a, which I, I guess, a bonus, yeah. <laughs> which I, I guess has, has helped, although some some would uh, question me on, on that. But uh, yeah, that was my major. I was a psychology major in, in college. Yeah, but I think that's a, that that's a great advantage, you know, and, and look, it now you're be. working with advantage title. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you get get any insights uh, by serving on the town board? Yeah, I, I think. Most insight comes from being a, a lifelong resident uh, here of the East End, you know, grew up in East Hampton, have lived in Southampton for a long time, spend a lot of time throughout all different areas of the East End, the North Fork as well. Um, you know, and 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 sure, being in town hall and working uh with with members of the public and interested residents of the community on on so many items um gave you great insight into uh, what's important uh, to people and 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 the community itself, the the geography, the demographics, um, you know, all of which I, you know, still value and and, and utilize and hold dear to that. So, definitely. Any uh, mentors along the way? By the way, yeah, you know, I, I uh, one of the people that I interned for is a is a great local elected official, uh, Fred Thiel. Uh, was one of them. So a great guy, yeah, yeah, a great guy. And and years and years ago, my my mom actually worked for Perry Duria, who was the former speaker of the state assembly. Uh, so yeah, you know those uh, getting to know people like that certainly, and, and watching their careers and how they were as public servants and continue to be as public servant as right. a public servant. And Fred, um, you know, definitely uh, was something. Yeah, that, he's amazing, and valuable he's, to me. Certainly is. Yeah. Uh, did he give you any tips, by the way, like the, that you um, still employ yeah, he, today? Yeah, well, he was always don't talk know, to Fred, people. Fred, Fred's a great, you know, kind of model, especially in today's in today's world of, of, of politics in terms of focusing on the issues and the people first. Um, and and, you know, letting the, the politics kind of falls behind that. So I think that's the most important thing, you know, that I, at least I, I tried to to maintain and, and watch among some elected officials in that they continue to focus on the people and the community and, you know, less upon their own uh, individual careers as, as elected officials. Cool. Um, now, I noticed you're ALTA certified. 
Is it? Am I pronouncing that right, or is it yeah, just American ALT? Land Title Association? What does it stand for? American Land Title Association. Now, to be certified, what do you have to go through? Um, well, the 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 you know we'll, we'll get let's let's speak more. I think about what title insurance is um, and the value that's, of yeah, that. that to brings, the, that's, that's my next question. Yeah, to, the ahead. value of that to the to the to the buyer um, in New York State, you do have to be licensed. Uh, as uh, a title agency, um, and we work with uh, many of the underwriters, the insurance underwriters. But the importance of, of title insurance to a buyer, put as simply as possible, is just ensuring your right of ownership to that property, that there's been no breaks in the deed chains, that there's no judgments or liens at the time of your purchase that are affecting the property. And if there are, um, anything that was missed or, 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 or after closing, those are things that are covered. That's basically your title insurance policy or part of it. Um, but the idea of title insurance and the searches that we do in the county clerk's office and surrogates court is to ensure that any matter affecting a, the, the property or potentially the seller um, who's, who's selling that property is effectively addressed uh, prior to closing or at closing so that you purchase that property free of any encumbrances. Right. Um, let me ask you a question. Uh, over the span of your career, have you ever had somebody like uh, Uncle Harry, who's been estranged from the family of the seller, uh, shows up 10 years later with a quick claim deed? Has anything like that ever happened? Uh, yeah, we, we've seen instances of people who quick claim properties to themselves, uh, you know, and, and again, that going back to the purposes of the, of the extensive searches that we do of the public records. Um, you want to make sure that that any of these conveyances are legitimate. And you know, that is the reason as to why why we exist. And in an area like this where you do have you know highly valued properties, um it it, it is, you know, it makes perfect sense to want to ensure the fact that you have the right to ownership and that there are no encumbrances uh against the property prior to actually purchasing it. So it has happened. So and and you guys are there to back up uh, the yeah. new buyer. Oftentimes, it could be an obstacle to a to a transaction. And if you find out that there was a, a transfer that was not considered a legitimate transfer mm -hmm. uh, at the time, that's something that's got to be reconciled and dealt with. Or so, uh, an instance where a con correction deed is necessary because of a of a description, um, a legal description of a property. Things that can come up at the time of the title search. Uh, can even be before something goes into contract and can be addressed before you get to the closing table and it becomes an obstacle to closing. So I would say the most valued part of what we do as an industry, when you're dealing with the title insurance company, your agent, your title agent, is uh, we, you know, we're researching things, uh, matters of public record that have a great impact or can have a great impact on uh, property transfer. So whether it's a, a, a judgment or a lien against somebody, an old mortgage that was never satisfied, um, covenants and restrictions that come up against properties, you know, out here and every time we talk, it's one of the one of the things that comes up. But you know very well as a, as an agent just uh, how much those things can affect the eventual transfer of a property, and it's at the time of transfer that the seller gets paid, the buyer you know gets their property that they want, the keys to the house. Um, title companies get paid, attorneys you know, get get paid. So you know that information is extremely valuable. And what we offer to people is the uh, idea that you can call us, you know, reach out to us if there's things leading up to 
uh, taking a listing or things leading up to something going into contract that can be an obstacle and things that we can research and help you sort out uh, prior to. And whether you're an agent or we deal with so many great attorneys, you know, the local in particular, um, you know, do amazing work on behalf of their clients uh, and have great relationships with them in making sure that the, the transactions and the clients they're representing are as seamless as possible. That's great. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, a lot of times some of the things, uh, issues I've come across is where the fence is maybe six inches to nine inches off of what the survey says. How do you resolve that? Anything within a foot, uh, typically uh, it, it doesn't become an issue. It's when you see those items where uh, fences meander around uh, uh, mature vegetation trees, for example, you know, they run inside of a tree line um, that that potentially becomes a, a matter of uh, a possession or an out of, a potential out of possession. And those are things that we uh, we do <laughs> the bulk of, of our work, the bulk of my work here is you know sorting through uh, issues like that. We're intimately familiar with this area. We know the obstacles at times to transactions and just how to deal with those types of situations. And uh, it happens all the time. You know, we have la larger properties. Uh, there are areas that are restricted, uh, have wetlands restrictions. There are encroaching fences, neighbors' fences. It's really a matter, uh, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, I will personally visit all these properties and I do. And uh, you know we try to figure out the the uh, really the, the the fastest and most effective way to address it without being an obstacle. And 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 having been doing this for many years, you know we we are we're good at it. And our clients uh, that we represent, the attorney clients, are good at steering through those things that can be obstacles. As are the the brokerage community, uh, uh, you know, out here. What um, you know. What you just said about uh, local attorneys, I'm sure you agree that um, a buyer should employ a local attorney as compared to their uncle that's somewhere in New York. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a it, it's a it's a matter of familiarity, right? It's certainly not a knock against anyone from anywhere, and it's not to say there aren't attorneys from outside the area who are very familiar with the business here. There are, but. Um, you know, and vice versa. You're buying buying a property in New York, upstate New York, another state. You know, you want somebody who is intimately familiar with the area, and we certainly always, um, you know, to the extent we can, you know, push those local attorneys who are, who have been doing this for a long time and who really know not just the transactional side of it, but in particular the land use and zoning side of it. When they're asked questions about um, where a pool can be located or how large a house can be or about covenants and restrictions potentially restricting property. Uh, you want the attorneys who who know that uh, inside and out and can give you the right answer up front. Yeah, that is so important. You're absolutely right about that. Um, and the same goes, I should add, the same goes to the, to the same can be said about the agents, uh, the real estate agents, the community, people like yourself, you know, who just know um, you know, the community and who know that zoning side of it and have some familiarity with it and can steer people through that process. Very important. Right. I agree with that one, especially uh, experienced um, mm -hmm. uh, agents, you know, you know, know this stuff. You know, a lot Absolutely. of times we have new agents, come, not disparaging to the new agents, you know, because it's everything's a learning process. But, you know, it's good to have uh, people that are that are knowledgeable on your side. Um, 
in 10 minutes, uh, 10 seconds, not 10 minutes, <laughs> we've already gone through 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> is there any advantage to a, a seller to obtain a, uh, title report before a buyer does? Yeah. So, so I would say the, the, that speaks to what I was saying earlier about, um, due diligence to even before listing something potentially, or before something goes into contract that if you have any questions or if there's an issue with a potential outstanding mortgage or judgment against the property or covenants and restrictions that may burden the property or an easement that provides water access, that call us, you know, talk to us because that's information that we can. How can, how can uh, somebody uh, get in contact with you? They can call us anytime. Call me anytime uh, at six three one five nine one two two six seven is the office number out here in Riverhead, or uh, you can email me at any time at cnuzzy at advantagetitle.com. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on Long Island's only NPR station, WLIW 88.3 FM. Thank you again for sharing your time with me, and be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.